Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, everyone. It's Caroline from G-Thanks Just Bought It, reminding you that in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at G-Thanks Just Bought It Pod. You can find products that don't make it onto the episodes and recommendations from listeners like you. So before you start this episode, give it a follow and say hi in the comments. And for a full list of every product we featured on G-Thanks, visit gthanksjustboughtit.com slash episodes. See you there. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of G Thanks Just Bought It, the podcast where we talk about what we just bought and what you might need to buy next. I am joined by two very like-minded shoppers, Erica Cerullo and Claire Mazer. They are the co-creators of the A Thing or Two podcast. You might know them from their previous life as the founders of Of A Kind, uh, which we were just talking about. I loved so much, so much, so much. Um, And you guys are also extremely into shopping and buying so I feel like we have that in common welcome to <laughs> welcome Asserting to the show unite. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show I'm so happy to have you guys here we're so excited to be here thank you for having us oh my gosh of course so we were just talking a little bit about you know it's September now mm-hmm. um this year has gone on for 27 full years that's right. At this point, um, have either of you gotten into like any new hobby, craft, activity, workout program in your time in quarantine? Um, I would say despair. Okay. Um, great. Constant, <laughs> really refined Love that. my uh, my approach to despair, and I would say that approach is all encompassing. Mm. Um, and it infiltrates every part of my life. Mm. And yeah, I would say it's like more I'm, of a pastime then. Yeah. 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 It's really yeah. become something I'm I'm feel full body dedicated to. <laughs> I I love that for you. I love that for Thank you, Claire. You. That's, Thank you. That's exciting. And also, you know, it takes up so much time. You know, exactly. All I'm of a sudden, bored. right? You're never, <laughs> never bored. bored. You're never yeah. bored. I get it. I love that. And yeah. you know, I would say that I dabble between despair and just unconscious like a sleep mm-hmm. so but I kind of like the idea of just really doing like a full body into despair I'm going to consider that for the next half consider it I will say that at the beginning of quarantine I thought that anxiety was going to be my route mm. but the despair has um engulfed the anxiety and so I, funny it's slightly more comfortable yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that okay yeah that's good that's good uh, Erica how about you um you know, I have leaned into a hobby that I had dabbled in before, um, which is just watching a lot of cute animal videos and looking for cute animal photos on the internet. Um, and at the beginning of all of this, I was surfacing some of that content on Instagram. And the most like wonderful thing happened in that my entire Instagram Discover feed just became cute animals. Um, Incredible. So I endorsed that as a method of just like going deep on 
like round boys and whatever <laughs> accounts yep. so that that's all that served to you. Do you follow this girl as a squirrel on Instagram? Of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, Jill. Yeah, of Jill, course. of course, Jill. <laughs> you, I mean, I, re- I realize if you're a first name basis with Scruff, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I like that. Like a, like a real return to like 2008 internet. Like just read some blogs, look at some cat pictures. That's all the internet precisely. is. That's it. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Let's just pretend that's where we are. That's it. We call them newsletters now, not blogs. Right. But everything Sorry. Else. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. That the right the that's it. We've we've just we've evolved, but only ever so slightly. Um, that's right. Into I really do miss like reading people's blogs. I miss Tumblr. Yeah. Um. It somehow though I had my concerns about the amount of time I spent on it while it existed. It pales in comparison to how I feel my concerns about my Instagram consumption habits. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, what about you? Do you miss any sort of like decades old internet? It's a great question. You really miss Google Reader. <gasps> oh my gosh! Thank you, Claire. You're welcome. I, I deeply miss Google Reader. Um, I use Feedly for an RSS feed now, mm-hmm. and I think people don't even use RSS feeds. I think even talking about that is like a dated notion. We just um, I was saying to Erica, I was like, I think I'm trying to upload the RSS feed of this website wrong, and it was like, no, this website just doesn't have an RSS feed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god! I just that I just got like a real. I don't know, like, I I just can, like, feel myself adding things to my Google Reader and then, like, going through them and, like, watching them disappear one by one because I've read all of the, like, updates from that person's mommy blog. Exactly. You see, you read everything on Jezebel. I I was going to say, I've read everything on Gawker, read everything on the mommy blog, and now I might have to do my job. So who knows? That's right. (laughs) That was literally how I would start every morning at work in, like, 2009. Oh, 100%. Maybe after lunchtime you would get to, like, the thing they were paying you to do. But <laughs> yeah, but you had to get through Perez Hilton first. Yeah. And all. Julia Allison. And, you know. <laughs> I was just talking about Julia Allison. Don't you think Julia Allison was like the first influencer? <sighs> it's a great question. I'm trying to think. You followed I, that line pretty closely. Claire. I you did. And thoughts. like, I'm inclined to say like, yes, sure. But then I also remember feeling like there was a... <sighs> that it was that she was imitating something else. So I think that makes me think there must have been other influencers that she was imitating, but but I don't know who. Maybe like Paris Hilton. So I was like Tinsley Mortimer. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like a simple life kind of exactly yeah. like Tinsley Mortimer's right. Who knew, and who knew we would be seeing so much of Tinsley Mortimer? In- I, she just showed up in my Instagram feed this morning, and She's- I was like. I can't believe it. Yeah, you're like, I what year is it? it? Like, time is already <laughs> so confusing. Now, Tinsley Mortimer is back in the feed. Yeah, I well, so if for the uninitiated, Julia, Al- all you have to know about Julia Allison is that she married herself. Um, and <laughs> she married herself. In, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. She married herself and she documented the entire thing. And it was like 2010, maybe. Um, yeah, it sounds right. And that was like a crazy thing in the way that like Rebecca Black doing Friday felt crazy mm-hmm. and now it's like very normal for like an influencer yeah. to just have this like highly produced music video it was Julia Allison and Rebecca Black um if you're <laughs> they were the original right the originals if you're looking for yeah. an activity you know this week I highly recommend diving back into the Julia Allison files 
whatever the inter- whatever the internet has left behind. The archives. Yeah, it really is. Go I mean, to the Wayback Machine. The way you know what? Machine. I actually do think you're right that she was the original version of our current form of influencer. And certainly Caroline Calloway owes a debt of gratitude to her because mm. I forgot that the thing that really put Julia Allison on the map was that she like live blogged her relationship with who was the founder of Vimeo, Jacob, somebody. Um, yes. Oh, Yeah. Right. And that was like what got her all of the initial attention and controversy was this really embarrassing live blog, basically, of their short lived relationship that predated Instagram, but was like very much a predecessor to what we see on Instagram now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Caroline, yes, you are correct. I (laughs) it took me a minute to get there with you, but I'm there. Do you see the like the like flashing behind my eyes right now of like things coming like now I'm just gonna go into the Julia all Allison these words and names machine. yeah incredible like and so the internet has changed so much in the last 10 years um and I feel like you guys uh especially have really managed to like hang on and swing through through like so many different like iterations of it in a way that a lot of people can't do so oh, thank you it's a compliment it's- it's interesting when we launched our uh, e-commerce website of a kind, it was 2010. And when we would hire interns a few years later to give them a sense of like how long the company had been around, we'd be like, it was around before Instagram. And the looks on the faces were like, whoa, yeah. well, wow. And to, to bring it full circle, we built the site on top of Tumblr. Like the wow. site was a Tumblr site basically yeah. with a Shopify shopping cart. They like, attached to it. They had Shopify in 2010. Yes, it was not what it is now. Okay, I was <laughs> that was gonna be my next question. Uh, great. Uh, <laughs> wow. And then and then you guys had to like. Well, I mean, y- there are lots of e-commerce sites. I think that started around that same time, or maybe a little bit before you, like the guilt groups of the world, mm-hmm. that like couldn't really get into the the next iteration of the internet like what was that like for you having to pivot that hard and that quickly because 2010 was like the precipice of that was like right before Instagram and then Instagram was just like a weird very filtered thing where you would be like burrito and then like no one was you know what I mean like I had I think my first Instagram picture was like a ceiling fan um only one like uh and yeah so like what was that like having to be like okay this is changing and like we're moving forward I think we were so fortunate that we were really terrible at fundraising and so we never had a lot of money and we never had a lot of money to you to lose and so because we were so scrappy of course things would get hard but there, we we never had so far to fall right. and so we, at that really enabled us to be nimble and just sort of keep going and figure things out as we went along um and eventually 5 years into the company we sold to bed bath and beyond and that gave us so much more uh to play with and just so much more of a safety net and that's when we really i think got to spread our wings in the ways that we had hoped to those first five years when we would watch all of the guilt groups of the world do take these really big swings and do these really big crazy things that we felt like were necessary but Mm. just didn't have the resources to do Mm. i think we also even in those first five years from 2010 to 2015 in having meetings with investors and hearing those conversations we're able to track a lot of the shopping trends and watch the rise and fall of so many models so when we launched it was like you should be the like younger, cooler indie uh, guilt group. And then two years later, it was like, you should be the fab.com, but for fashion. 
And then two years, and like a year after that, it was, you should be grown up nasty gal. Um, and you'd see all of these businesses get all of the press and mm-hmm. just be like the darlings of this space. And then you'd see them come crashing down, yeah. um, which wasn't even so much their fault. It's just the fault of the like yeah. fundraising climate and the media culture and all of that. Yeah, I'm reminded of like um, when every news organization kind of was, I mean, they still do this, but when you're running off of like whatever Facebook is is like promoting at that time. Yeah. So like that whole pivot to video thing wasn't because of anything other than Facebook being Facebook like, says video. Yeah, we're going to do lots of like, because all it takes is someone at Facebook being like, boop, boop, boop. And then like, no, you don't see any video anymore. I don't see any video when I go on Facebook. Um, no. And so like every news organization literally like revamped their entire yeah. staff, laid people off, did salary cuts all for like one year of being able to like brag about this like fake metric fake to like it's just like fake and then it, was it like ends. One- yeah it was like the the facebook scam that that broke me i mean so many things have broken media but that put a serious dent in it yeah and then it was only like one of several facebook scams that broke right that broke media um yeah the internet has has been like a really weird i like i I can't even think of a world without Instagram or like 2010 was when like people were still saying like, oh, no one's going to like shop. Like you only shop online if you're like desperate or you're only shop online Mm -hmm. if like you are really in a pinch or like you've already gone to every mall and like nothing is there. Um, And that's even like three or four years later, that just wasn't the truth. So that must have been really just difficult to sort of figure out. The uh, the other thing that we were really navigating then that that felt like the biggest challenge to overcome was that 2010 was really when fast fashion was peaking yeah and so and and not online like most of the fast fashion retailers didn't have an online presence at that point or didn't have e-commerce anyway and so people who really loved fashion were getting their fix via zara and h&m and while what we were selling was still uh much less expensive than the luxury labels and and what you would find at the barneys of the world it felt like such a reach for a lot of the the women in our demographic anyway. Yeah. Um, and so I think consciousness around fast fashion and fashion sustainability and small business and that sort of thing has evolved so much since we started. But that was really the thing that we were fighting against back then. Yeah. And I think we thought that that was going to come a little bit quicker, honestly, yeah. uh, for a consumer than it did, especially the way that people think about the food that they were consuming. And you were seeing a lot of that in 2010 of, you know, people wanting to know where their kale was from. Um, and they, but they really still weren't thinking about where their clothes were from. And, you know, mm-hmm. even after Rana Plaza and even after being, I think, exposed to much more media coverage of, what working conditions look like in a lot of factories where a lot of uh, apparel is produced, um, people still really had a hard time making that leap. And I think there's still like, you know, even like last year when I was seeing people randomly on the street, uh, which is not a 2020 experience. (laughs) Don't know what that's like. (laughs) Um, But you'd be like, oh, love your dress. And it'd be like, it's Zara. Um, In that way that I'm like, I like, I haven't been excited to say that um, Mm -hmm. in at least a decade. Yeah, Zara, H&M, um, and there was, I mean, Forever 21 is a big one. Um, I mean, and there's also, you know, the whole premise of like, there's no, you know, ethical consumption, like under capitalism. And I think Mm -hmm. like the big, the big tug of war is that like fashion in a lot of ways, sustainable fashion in 2010 was not, um, 
attainable. Like it just wasn't, it was too expensive or it was only in big metropolitan areas or they didn't have online presences. And like, you know, there was H and M and like, here's this thing that you like, you're not going to spend, or a lot of people would think, you know, I'm not going to spend $650 on like a thing. That's a trend. I'll just buy the H and M version where it wants and then be done with it. But I I think I, you're right. That, that evolution did not come as fast. Um, I think we're still in it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting is that initially when fast fashion came to the U.S., like when H&M first started showing up here, it was heralded as the democratization of fashion. And that like now, regardless of your income, you can afford this, um, you know, the styles that you see on the runway. And there's certainly something um, admirable about that. And it's in it, it is really interesting how quickly, but quickly, I think our attitudes about things change, but how slowly our consumption sort of responds to those attitudes. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do remember Erica, it's funny that you bring up the food thing. Cause there was some version of our fundraising deck in the early days. that was really just like, it's like how everybody cares about whole foods now and you want organic this and that. And of course, fashion is going to be the next thing, but I do think it, it's just been much slower to evolve. It, there does seem to be a lot of like, um, there's like a lot of intersectionality in, in like sustainable shopping too. And this is a conversation we had a few episodes ago with Kate Bayer, who's a poet. And we were talking about how like the both, you know, both of us kind of like waffle between straight sizes and plus sizes. And like, once you get into the plus size territory, like there's not a lot of stuff, um, you know, for one, for whatever reason and forget like even just the, the smaller end of the plus size category, the 16s, 18s and 20s and 20 shoes, like anything past that is near impossible to find uh, anything relatively trendy in um, until like very recently because, um, you know, we start we then started seeing more plus size models and more fat acceptance like in media. And so like it is kind of this circle. But like there there was a time where like the only place you could get a dress that would fit would be from like a fast fashion place. Absolutely. Outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. And now with um, a thing or two, you guys have once again gone into the new the new like kind of newsletter space Mm -hmm. Um, talking about shopping, giving your recommendations. What has been your takeaway um, of like shopping trends during quarantine? Because I have my own thoughts on this because it's you know, it's my job now and it's your job too. like you kind of see how you kind of always been paying attention to how people shop. But now we're in this like weird buzzword unprecedented time where you know, we've like there's people are doing things that we've never had to do before for reasons we've never even considered you know, being possible. Like, how are you guys watching that um, kind of display itself in like an e-commerce world with like how people are shopping and what people want? Yeah. I think it's been really interesting um, to think about just sort of like the weather and what, and just like people, like the the seasons and the seasonality and what people are going to want at various junctures. Um, And so Claire and I had been talking you know, back in April about, okay, what's like, what's summer going to look like? Is there going to be a run on inflatable pools? And yes, there was a run on inflatable pools. Mm -hmm. And uh, just thinking about like outdoor furniture and how people are living in their spaces. And now there's going to be a run on outdoor space heaters and is Uniqlo heat tech next. And just like, it's like kind of fascinating to think about the, the things that will become these like hot items that would not have necessarily been in a normal shopping season. Right. I think the other thing we're seeing is just so much color. And we just did a recent podcast episode about this specifically as it applies to interior design. But I think what happened is you have the convergence of the like 
all white and neutral vibe the just wing. expiring. Yeah, it, it, we'd seen for the last at least five years that it was all about whites, neutrals, beiges, camels, which something I uh, loyally subscribe to in my wardrobe, but mm-hmm. it's also, you know, the, the Airbnbification of the interiors. And so its time was up anyway, but then you have one of the darkest years in, you know, any, in most people's lifetimes and we're all inside and we just need something to cheer us up. And so you're seeing that come to life in like really colorful interiors and more colorful clothes. And I also think because people aren't going outside, they feel like, you know what, if I'm going to buy a sweatsuit, if I'm going to buy these like weird house shoes, I'm going to do it in this crazy hot pink color because like, why not at this It's point? like we saw the strawberry Crocs and the strawberry mm-hmm. like Instagram dress and that thing of just people being like, I need a little fun. Like I can't yeah. be trying to do like this perfect chic all black look. Well, in, where like, yeah, where are you going? Year. Like where are yeah. you right. going in your all black? <laughs> I mean, I, no. yeah, that you're so right. And also, when you get to go somewhere, it is more of an event. Like, like yeah. I, I feel like a lot of my friends too are talking about like, oh, like I now plan my outfit for the grocery store, and it's not. It doesn't sound on the offset. It sounds kind of silly, um, but it it is more like this is a thing that I miss doing in yep. in a world where I was going to birthday parties and bars and dinners and just like out to see a show or out to see a concert. And like I go to the grocery store, I go to the pharmacy, I go out for walks. I see my friends in the park while weather permits. So like yep. if I'm doing one of those things, I'm going to like make a, an event out of it. Um, and also totally. be, and, and there's no I don't know. I feel like everyone's kind of on their own. So so we just moved to Los Angeles in February. Incredible timing. Um, <laughs> bought an inflatable hot tub in February. Another incredible Sorry, time timing. Yeah, in, insane. But also like, so I've never gone out here. Like we, I've I've been to one restaurant. I've been to two restaurants. One of them was Sir um, from Vanderpump <laughs> oh Rules. So Can't, the memories. Let's, let's bookmark that to discuss. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like that's where, like, if anyone, it, everyone, like, thinking back, like, what did I do that started the pandemic? It was me going to Sir. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, like, I never went to uh, more than one bar. I didn't do, like, any group dinners with my friends. Like, we really had just kind of started to get settled. Um, and now when I go out, like not only is LA totally different sartorially than New York, but like I don't know anybody and I don't care. So now I'm like having a little bit more fun and being a little bit more out of the box than I would have been in New York where I feel like you kind of you have your lane and you stay in it. So I think it's so interesting. And Erica and I sort of experienced this a beat before everybody else where, you know, of a kind was shut down effectively November 1st. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started working from home then. We also just like, I think, social we didn't socially isolate but we were like by ourselves for a little bit we had this conversation at some point like I think around January where we were like I think our personal styles are going to change as a result of of a kind shutting down because we no longer have like a this identity to to dress to embody and b we're not seeing people at the office who who we are the boss of who we feel like we have to sort of like be a certain way to and give an impression to and Erica was like yeah I bought these like wacky sunglasses that I was never like would have never bought because I felt like they weren't part of like the the vision right that I was supposed to be projecting and I think what's going to happen is you're going to see everybody start dressing for themselves so much more because a who else is there to dress for and b we're not going and seeing what everybody else is wearing so we can't be influenced by trends in the same way where in new york you know you walk down the street and you see 
these same high-waisted pants every block and that becomes something that then you sort of like visually warm up to and you're like now I want to try that and that's what looks good and if that doesn't happen I do think like one interesting sort of positive outcome of this could be people dressing for themselves and dressing a little bit more uniquely I would love that yeah, same. Give it like a nice break. Yeah, I remember seeing the the war the like evolution of warming up to wide leg jeans is like literally in my <laughs> scrapbook of life. Like I remember being like, oh, and then being like, huh, and then being like, I need to wear I love it. it. <laughs> yeah, I this love is my it. favorite thing ever. <laughs> um, it's fascinating. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break and then we will be right back. Okay, we're back. Yeah, I well, you know, there's like the the maybe maybe the only good thing about the pandemic is that it might halt the return of low rise jeans, which has been plaguing me <laughs> which has been creeping for up. a really I long time. So wow, that would be such a huge win for all of us. All of us. Though I will say that when everyone started, do you remember like maybe late 2019 or like no late 2018, early 2019, like thin eyebrows were coming back. Like there was yeah, like there was like yeah. a moment. A Rihanna magazine cover. Mm-hmm, that was it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I yeah. remember people were freaking out about it. And by people I mean myself. And um <laughs> And Stella Bugby tweeted, like, these kinds of trends are for teens. Like, this isn't for you, meaning, like, any other 30-something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So, like, you know, in 2002, when I was like, mom, I need low-rise jeans, and I'm going to go tanning, and I'm going to put the heart sticker on my hip. And then it'll be white while the rest of me is tan. My mom is like, oh, my God, I forgot about that. Yeah, well, now you'll wow. never forget because it's hot. the crystal tattoo era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, the era of going tanning in general. But like, remember <laughs> thinking your mom was like lamely dressed and it turns out like we were lamely dressed. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's not like my mom was like, oh, cool. Like low rise jeans are in. I guess I have to wear them now. And like now, like we're the moms. So like yeah. if low rise jeans come back, I'm just going to keep wearing high waisted jeans and just assume that all kids are going to be like, wow, she dresses like a freaking yep. nerd. And then That's right. just go for it. Um, yeah. During this period of time that Claire had mentioned, like November to January uh, era, I watched the OC. I watched the first season of the OC for the first time. Yeah, and the first scene of Marissa Cooper with this like it the, the like I the lowest rise pants. The like lowest. I audibly gasped, just like <gasps> like, and that was like that was the look. That was you know she it was certainly like feel cementing weird at the it. Time. But, no, but it was like wow, ma'am, I can see like below your hip bones. Yeah. <laughs> Like I can see like your pubes. Like I can yeah. literally see your vagina. They, they yeah. oh yeah. And then like like a jean skirt with like a fabric belt that had like a lot of oh, holes in it. Well, uh, the jean this- skirt that was super low rise, low rise, and it had a really wide like belted area, but then it also was pleated underneath that. But it was so short and so, so low rise that the pleat was only about like two inches, two inches. tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you could see the pockets hanging out from the bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, and you had yeah. your Uggs on and you had your chunky bead jewelry. And mm-hmm. um, and maybe a blazer. And a halter top. Yeah. yeah. A, bra- a halter top with a blazer. With a blazer. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and the blazer would be like because khaki. professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You have a job. Um, and well, it was the same thing with like Lauren Conrad um, on yeah. Laguna Beach, but also like the hills, especially like that first episode where she goes to her internship at Teen Vogue. I like my whole entire thought was like, oh, my God, like height of fashion, height of chic. She is amazing. Like, look at that style. And then you go back and watch it and you're like, oh, my God, 
Okay, her eyeliner's all over her face. <laughs> She's wearing like, you know, the, the rounded toe, like black heels that have like, like that are not, you know what I mean? They're not clean. You've worn them everywhere. They're like shredding mm-hmm. a little. Um, she The metal yeah. and the heels sticking yeah. out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That was a big look for me. That <laughs> was a signature piece of my style. Big headband yeah. or like, mm-hmm. remember like, remember you like put a tie as a headband? That was 2004, oh but that was like, the wow. dark moment too. Claire <laughs> used to do like a like a handkerchief, like a silk oh, scarf. That was look. very signature for me. I Hair and like a high pony with yeah. It, I had I had those tie organizers that men use to hang in their closets, but mine was all like silk scarves for my hair. Cool. That's really yeah, cool. Super cool. <laughs> yeah, t- 2004 was that was yeah. I was like, how could anything be cooler than this? That's right. <laughs> Remember like yeah. peasant skirts and like the oh, belts oh, that you would wear with a peasant skirt, gladiator <laughs> sandals. It was a lot. Yeah. There was a lot going on. Um, and I'm sure, and I'm sure we'll have the same. Like let's let's do an episode ten years from now where we're talking about how cool we look in white like pants. Like yeah, put it on my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> like big Jenko style uh yes. pants. Um yeah, so before we get into our items, I need to know what you guys are watching right now. Mm-hmm. Um Thomas and I, my husband and I just started uh watching I'd seen it maybe a decade or fifteen years ago, but he'd never seen it. Freaks and Geeks. Um, fun. And I highly endorse watching it as a show that nothing really terrible happens in. Um, and it delivers laughs. That's the Judd Apatow crew, but like. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like Judd Apatow um, with Jason Siegel, yeah. Seth Rogen, Linda Cardellini, Busy Phillips wow. as like the mean girl. Um, yeah. Rashida Jones. Wow. Everybody. Uh, Star. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Starr. It's really, it's, it's a lot of people that, you know, and it's how it didn't go for that. Was it only two seasons or only one season? I think just one season. Oh my God. Yeah. I've only yeah. seen it once and it's been like a long time. I didn't realize how many famous people were in it. I think I got probably like knew Jason Siegel and like Seth Rogen. Yeah. And I, well, I also think that the people who are in it have gotten even more famous over the last mm. like five or seven years. Yeah. True. Yeah. Certainly busy. Certainly yeah. Busy. Um, yeah. Similar topic. If you did, you've seen Wet Hot American Summer, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So when, as a as a joke, David Wayne was like, "We should do a documentary about the making of Wet Hot American Summer because because the have you guys seen it? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, <laughs> the funniest part of that documentary is like, oh he did. Oh no, I haven't seen the doc. I thought oh no 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 either. He, no, I have not okay. seen the documentary. So he was no. like, as a joke, he was like, these are all nobodies. This but the budget was like seven dollars for this entire movie. Like, let's just make a documentary be really funny because like these people are also like I honestly think the mentality was like they're nobodies now. There'll be nobodies in a while, and it's it'll like be waiting re- for Guffman. Yeah, it was very waiting for Guffman esque, like very Christopher Guest esque. But it is all of these famous people. So wow. you have Amy Pol. I mean, the most famous person in the most famous people in Wet Hot when it came out were Molly Shannon and Janine Garofalo. Like, right? Bradley Cooper missed his college or acting school graduation to do it and like there's this whole thing you have to watch it it's so funny it's Bradley Cooper and he's so nerdy and he like knows nobody and he's like sitting there and they're like so what's the you know the best part about doing this movie and he's like Amy Poehler and Molly I mean they're my heroes I'm just so happy to be here I miss my graduation like it's freaking Bradley Cooper yeah me too and it's kind of amazing because the documentary like totally um 
does like what it was never intended to do, which makes it like so much more enjoyable to watch. It's all of these extremely famous people when no one gave a shit about them and when they would agree like, yeah, I will do this this role in this movie that has no budget and I'll probably get paid like 200 bucks to do it. Um, and they weren't media trained to shit. No, it's it's so <laughs> cute. It's so funny. So if you're on like a Freaks and Geeks tear and it is only one season, I would totally follow it up with like the the wet hot doc for thank now. you excellent yeah, rack. that sounds really that's good. my rack. claire what have you been watching i watched a bunch of shows that i either binged in their entirety or they wrapped and so i haven't started anything new like i watched i may destroy you i watched love on the spectrum um i watched shrill season two at erica's behest which was wonderful <laughs> and so i haven't gotten into anything that I'm currently watching since then but I did watch the other day um, this documentary on Steve Bannon called The Brink and this this filmmaker this young woman filmmaker I say young woman but she's definitely my age but I, we're I'm young youthful. we're young women yeah. um, she just got insane access to him and is basically alone in a room with him for I guess about a year after he gets fired from the White House oh, and starts for a year and I was like wait <laughs> I didn't hear about this okay sorry yeah I just um, literally had a heart attack okay <laughs> sorry he got fired from the White House and starts right and he's embarking on this project to sort of unite uh nationalist conservative politicians all across Europe and and the world and it's just this incredible look at his personality, which is pure evil, but he is also so much smarter and so much more charming than Donald Trump. And it's really and fascinating. Cunning, right? Yeah, exactly. Totally cunning. And it's just, I mean, he is truly the embodiment of evil in the same way that Trump and all of his cronies are. But he is it, it just in stark contrast to Trump, yet is fully supportive of Trump and, you know, very single-minded. And despite the fact that Trump has like criticized him openly at this point in his career is like, that doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't, I don't need to be friends with him. I just think he's the right guy for the job. And so he, and, and in that way, like Bannon is kind of egoless, which again, opposite of Trump. And it, it's just a fascinating, if depressing look at, at oh, him. Boy. Yeah. I mean, it sounds fascinating. I'm just trying to think of like what mindset I would have to be in to be like, yeah, this is it. This is I'm going to sit down and watch yeah, this down right now. What mindset say, were you in, Claire? I would say the same mindset that makes you want to look at a, like a three car pile up on the side of the road. <laughs> the reason why you slow down to look at that where you're just Got like, hmm. I, I do have a a weird I like hate I have a no like I don't want to hear Trump the sound of Trump's voice in my bedroom ever mm -hmm. I Chris listens in podcast form to all of the Sunday news shows and it really angers me and I can't like be around it I don't like to consume those things but I do like to consume almost as like personality studies these people in the same way it's the only reason I'm still on Facebook is because people <laughs> I went to high school with support Trump yeah and it is endlessly fascinating to me to read their personal thoughts and approach to these things in the same way I did find it really endlessly fascinating to see this up close version of Bannon that wasn't just the sort of propaganda that he produces but is actually like who this person is yeah I yeah I feel like that that is actually a really good argument for watching because it is like an anthropological sort yeah. of study of this time and the people who were like most you know in the president's ear 
Um, I mean, if you like following Julia Allison, maybe you'll like watching this. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they're kind of the same. Steve Bannon and Julia Allison. It's sort of hard to tell. Well, you know, just interesting, weirdly enigmatic oddball characters. Yeah, just like you do not come across people like this that often. And so I guess when you do, it's like, okay, I need to know everything. Like, Like, why are you the way that you are? Well, that's the other thing, too, is like I've really been spending a lot of time trying to have, I guess, to try to get inside the mind of the Trump voters from a more like empathic perspective and say, like, what has happened to you? What are you so angry and upset about that would make you want think that Trump is the right choice? And so I, I that's something I've been spending a lot of time thinking about lately. And I think it's like, yeah, it all comes from that same place of like, are you actually purely evil and I think this all the time about the entire Trump family and Jared Kushner and all of them I'm like it's really hard for me to believe that they know that they're as evil as they are and are still doing it like there's something in me that really wants to believe that they actually think that this is the right thing and that they're doing good as hard as that is to uh rationalize to myself are so you, I, yes, that is why I, why I watch the Steve Bannon documentary. I'm wondering if you're finding, have you, do you have any answers to that? Like, have you had any of those conversations? Have you like figured out, like, have you been able to change anyone's mind? I just, I'm the opposite in that, like, I, I get uncomfortable looking at that stuff. Like, and it, it's like also a problem that I won't engage because it makes me so angry that like, I do not have an empathetic way to go about dealing with it. Like I can't look at the tweets. I muted all the candidates last names. I don't want to like, I know who I'm voting for. Obviously I don't want to see anything else. And it makes me feel like a little guilty for feeling like I've tapped out. So like if you're having success, I will reconsider. I don't have an answer. The two things that I've come to is I think there's a, I mean, this is not news to anybody. I think there's a lot of just like blind bigotry that people don't realize they're bigoted and they're, openly bigoted the other thing is that is abortion which is yeah I just think so many people who despise so much of what Trump has done just feel like abortion is their single issue yeah. and and I, I have engaged like certain people that I went to high school with around that and I would kind I'm really tempted to engage them again because and to be clear I like very rarely, I, I think once in my life have I ever gotten in like a Facebook debate. It's not that I do that. I'm just like right. <laughs> reading what they post. But um, I am very curious what those people who voted for him in 2016 who said like, yeah, I can't get behind the way he treats women and the way he talks about people and blah, blah, blah. But abortion, I want to hear their answer to like now when it's like, OK, you're concerned about these unborn children, but what about the born children that are the living, you know, the, the, the outside of the womb children who've been separated from their parents and put in cages. What about mm-hmm. all the people who are dying of COVID? I, that's, I can't School shootings. get past at this point. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my question. The weird kind of like pro-life side of things doesn't seem to be very pro-life at all. Uh, no. no. Um, most stuff about religion though also makes me feel that way. But like, yeah, I think like, mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I think that the people that I'm more interested in, I just assume if like you need to be convinced after four years and like all the evidence, like I can't, I'm not going to be the one. Yeah, it's just like not going to be the one. Um, I feel that way too. Yeah, yeah. But I also think I'm real. I'm interested in people who are like, well, like government isn't perfect, and I want a third party, and like you know, the the Democrats are too centrist, or the Democrats are are too that you know like. Nancy Pelosi loves capitalism, like Joe Biden, blah, 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 like, uh, 
Kamala Harris, blah, 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 blah. But like, so I'm not going to vote. Like, that's who I feel like I need to find a, a productive I way. I that. Yeah. that in my household, if you're interested in, well, in engaging with that conversation, because it, that is when it gets really heated yeah. in my house. And I have to like leave the dinner table and be like, I like this is a two party system that we live in. And I agree that I wish there were other options and I agree things were further. I wish things were further left than they are. And I agree about voting for the most progressive candidate down, like up down the ballot. Um, But you know, when it comes to the president, we have two choices. Yeah. I I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like there's never a, there's never a time where I'm like, maybe I won't vote, but like, I really truly believe it's insane that we have a two party system and like, yeah. Yeah. And I get like really mad about it. I don't love my choices. I have lots of reasons why I don't love my choices, but I would never think like, Oh, you can't vote. And I think that people think that, that because I'm going to vote, we are not the same. Like, like the mm. like we can agree on all of this stuff and we can I hear you you know what I mean I guess like that's the part where I, I hit the wall it's like yeah and the way that I'm protesting this is I'm not going to cast my vote and like they're in and I also think sometimes their argument for not voting like makes sense like sometimes I'm I'm I, I feel like I could be easily swayed so that is where where I'm trying to like focus so much of my the small energy that I'm going to contribute to like getting worked up about something like this will have to be with the people who like don't want Trump to be president, but also just can't bring themselves to vote. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yep. We got really serious, but the election is so soon. I mean, like this is like, all you know, we have so much other stuff to think about, but I feel I can feel my brain space making some room. I also think the way I'm trying to think about it is I don't think I'm going to change anybody's mind in part because I have the good fortune of just not knowing that many people who would vote for Trump. But I think maybe I can inspire someone else who is closer to those people to like get fired up and to have those conversations. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's like really it's a very difficult thing because because I also get annoyed with people who are like, vote, vote, vote. And I'm like, OK, but there's so much wrong with our voting system. Mm-hmm. Like there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who don't can't vote. Uh, yep. You know, we have a president. It's not trying, that simple. It's not. It's that not, simple. It's not yeah. It isn't just about people going to vote like that. Yeah. Show yeah. Right. Just right. Everyone's vote matters. It's like, no, literally, it doesn't. Like we can talk about the USPS. We could talk about gerrymandering. And so it's really hard for me to make the argument that's like, no, this really does count. Like, you should really do it. Anyway, well, huh. We're going to take another break, (laughs) and we'll be back, and we're going to find out what Claire and Erica brought to G Thanks Just Bought It. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow, we got into politics pretty. <laughs> wasn't, the, anti- got, wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. I didn't think so either, but I was just thinking about watching a Steve Bannon documentary and being like, okay, where's my blood? Like, I need to keep my blood pressure, like a blood pressure thing <laughs> next to me at all times and just like check in. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so who wants to go first? What did you guys bring? Erica, go for it. 
Okay, so I brought the nail polish and the poppy uh, device from this nail salon called Olive and June in LA, which is run by a woman named Sarah Gibson Tuttle. Um, and I have been painting my like toenails and nails, in fact, for the first time during quarantine since I was like maybe 14 or 15. Um, and I'd always done a truly shit job painting. I remember my nails being before. That age and my approach to a pedicure was you just paint it and know it's going to get all over your cuticles and your foot, but that it's just going to have to like wash off later. (laughs) Like you don't even pretend to try to stay on the nail. I mean, I truly believe that the last the last time I can picture myself doing this was with hard candy nail polish (laughs) um, in some like disgusting shade of green (laughs) that was like very cool, you know? Yeah, right. (laughs) Not as cool as Urban Decay. Well, obviously, that came later when (laughs) I was a bit older, Um, and. But the thing is, I like I'd seen this, you know, nail polish and this like little device, which almost looks like a smushed clown nose or like a smushed cush ball or something mm-hmm. before. And I've been like, I'm I just like still don't have the skills for this. But this device and like the combination of this device and this polish, it like really is magical. So huh. you put this little like cush ball thing on the end of any bottle of nail polish, and it just means you don't have to grab onto the like nail polish top end, which is apparently where part of the struggle is, that there's kind of only one way to hold that brush. And your hands aren't used to it. Exactly. And you're like, what am I doing here? Um, And it doesn't make sense to hold the nail polish the same way you would hold a pen or something. So this gives you so many different angles on holding the stupid brush, which makes a huge difference. And then the polish itself, like, I don't know how it's seven free polish, but it does not chip. Um, I am astounded by it. Yep. Um, and the like brush itself is flat. Um, so, you know, when you get your nails painted by someone else and they do it in like three swipes and you're like, wow, that yeah. was so beautiful and magic. elegant. Magic. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that yourself with a flat brush. It just really, I don't know. I've been really astounded by it. Erica, I have to tell you, I bought, a bunch of olive and I bought their manicure kit like so yes. early, like end of March. Yes. I was like, oh, I'm yes. going to do my nails. It came with the poppy um, and the cuticle oil, which is amazing. Um, and then I also bought like a, the summer colors set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's where I get stuck. Tell me everything. How do I put the poppy on and know that it's in the right place? Because I feel like when I put it on and I pull out the nail polish, it's it's not flat. Like I have to do another awkward thing to make it on the flat side. Yep. 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 And when I, when I opened the box, it was like, you'll, you'll very obviously understand how to put the thing on the thing. And I'm like sitting there being like, I really, I don't actually don't get it. Like I don't get how to line it up. Is there a trick that I'm missing? Did I miss a step? I don't worry about lining it up. The first like time or two I did it, I was really like worried about like, oh God, like I, I put it on wrong and now it's at a funny angle. Mm-hmm. Now I just appreciate that the poppy provides like a different shape and I can like move my hand around it differently and it doesn't really matter what the top and the bottom is. That, just that I can like get a different grip on it. Okay, that helps me immensely because I was like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. But it is kind of amazing to not have a cramped hand. Yeah. And to not be like maneuvering what feels like this tiny little device when it doesn't need to be that tiny. Right. Um, my other, my other, like my other trick with doing this is knowing that obviously I'm going to get it on my cuticles and obviously I'm going to have to clean it up. So I take Q-tips and like pull the cotton off the end of it and then dip the, basically the stick in like the remnant cotton 
into polish remover, you know, because when you get your nails done, like somewhere they wrap the orange stick and yeah. The thing that I love that comes in the Olive and June manicure kit is they give you a tiny little brush for that. I think the brush doesn't provide enough pressure. Oh, yeah. the, like, oh the brush will like separate. It kind of needs okay. to, you kind of have to put like, glue on the brush first to make it one okay. specific. Okay. But yes, but they do do that. Yeah. It, like for those who who haven't gotten served 10,000 Alvin June Instagram ads, probably just me because <laughs> I'm always looking at nail art Instagram. That's um, right. But it is. So this like the manicure box comes with like everything you would need and it kind of teaches you the steps of doing your own nails. And have you been getting better at, at, at home nails now? Cause I feel like I've actually really improved since March. I think I have gotten better mm-hmm. at it. Um, and I feel pretty satisfied with where I am. Um, like I don't feel like the need to go to a salon. Um, How are your cuticles point. though? Yeah. Oh, my cuticles always are a problem. Um, yeah. but I, they have been a lot better. I cannot get into cuticle oil and I've tried yeah. a million times and it feels so chic and so grown up and exactly the right <laughs> thing to do. But like, here I am. Um, but I have been using this shea butter from this company, Eugenia Shea. Um, and that has made a difference just in like my hands overall. And I don't have like greasy typing fingers, which is the other issue with like almost every hand cream Mm -hmm. that I've tried. Have you been back for a professional manicure since? I have not. I miss it so much. It's just not at the top of the list for me. Right. No, Um, I get it. But there is a very, you do feel very clean after a professional. Like, you don't even have to shower. You're like, I'm so clean. I've never been this clean. (laughs) I don't know. There's something about like having your, your hands like totally just moisturized by someone else's hands and, and painting your nails in a perfect way and not like a little, like it just feels so good. Um, I agree with you. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, that's another place I won't go like. There's so many things on my list that I'm like, I will engage, you know, when I have a vaccine and, and that's one of them because it sort of seems needless to me. Um, well, you know, and I feel like people have different priorities for these things. Right. right. And it's like I have friends who are like the first thing on my list is a manicure. Mm-hmm. Like that is like more important to me than than eating outside at a restaurant yes. or to like getting a haircut or to like whatever other thing. Um, and it's just not for me. Right. Yeah. No, I would agree. The day I go back, though, it's going to be amazing. And I'm so excited. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Now, did you buy the poppy separately or did you also buy the the full kit? I did not buy the full kit. Okay. I bought there's like a small kit that's basically the poppy, a top coat, and the EC polish, which okay. is sort of like a your nails but better yep. color. Yep. Um, and so then I went back and got the C V, which is like true red. Um, and I really want they're they have new fall colors which again like I can't remember the last time I was like oh new fall color <laughs> nail polish like I, okay that's a thing um, life moves so much slower now we're like oh my god like the new trends <laughs> for fall because you know my eight dollar like nail polish yeah. fix um I really want the one called mg which is a terracotta color um <gasps> and I've really been banging the drum of terracotta being the like a trendy color I for think some time, you're so right that, I mean it definitely it. falls into the muted shades now I have to look it up mg olive and June this is very exciting uh because now I'm realizing summer really is over that's the other thing about Los Angeles like time feels weird in a pandemic try living in a place you've never lived before where there are no seasons like every single day is the same as it was in April like I cannot recognize the difference between September and June and I lived in New York my entire life with a four-year stint in Massachusetts for college and 
I've this is the weirdest feeling and sensation I've ever <laughs> experienced. Oh, it looks really cute. That is a really cute color. It's good, right? Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah, it might be time. Yeah, the poppy. That is such a gr- I'm so glad you brought that. Um, and I'm so glad I asked you how to use it and that I was <laughs> that I wasn't doing it wrong. And my and my answer was like, don't worry. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I like no, I like that so much. And how much is the poppy like by itself? Do you know? Sixteen bucks. You are prepared. Yes. Yeah. Totally and worth the it. Polishes are eight. Um, yeah. Which is less um, than Essie. And it's less than OPI now. Yeah. Exactly. And it's available. They're available at Target now too, which is nice. That is nice. Yeah. That Target is definitely my I mean, I go now because we have the like the grocery store target or whatever. But like, if, if some people are like, oh, I can't wait to get a manicure. Like mine will be like going to Target and not just like running in and running out. Just yep. going through every aisle. Oh, I miss it. Browsing. <laughs> I miss Target Browsing. so much. <laughs> um, yeah, that is that's a really, really great one. Uh, I did not know they had it at Target. But that makes me excited. But yeah, manicures. This I started trying to do. DIY manicures like last fall I got really committed to it because I was spending so much money at the salon and I was like you know I need to pull back and how am I going to do that like is that cutting my salon visits in half and trying to do it at home and then I just decided I'm going to go cold turkey and see how long I can go without being like I like that like yeah I'm getting manicure turns out it's a lot longer than we thought but I would have gone a lot sooner. Um, but yeah, like I have a picture. I have like before and after pictures, like the way that my nails looked in November versus what I can do now in like 20 minutes. I love that. Yeah. Do you have a really f- impressive? Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I might be going back to college for this, uh, <laughs> but not. But I also so I also tried painting someone else's nails in the fall horrific I can actually yeah, now no, only do my that. own hands that's an entirely other skill set that I would need to go to school for oh my god Caroline here's what you should here's something you need to know okay there was at some point an article it was a Vogue interview probably 10 years or 12 years ago with Serena Williams because she has a nail technician's license and the premise of the interview was that she was giving the interviewer a manicure and she had like the full home setup, oh like, God. you know, gems and this and that, and was like sitting there, like answering questions about tennis and like filing someone's nails. And it is, it's like, it might not even be on the internet. It might be like that, you know, version of I'm looking uh, right now. Old, Trust, but, I'm looking right now. Wow. Um, I just, it is epically good. Wow. Um, okay. I have to, I have to look. Do you, rec- oh, how big? Okay, yeah, no, this is incredible. Um, I'm there are some pictures, and they there are people in the last couple of years who've talked about um, the manicure she has on the court. Yeah. Uh, but I need to read this story. Yep. I mean, I think it's this a skill, like a hobby. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a great yeah. skill to have. It's an expensive hobby yeah. to go get your nails done elsewhere so yeah absolutely I'm all on and board and she's the sort of person who's like if I'm gonna have a hobby I'm gonna be damn good at it I would love to be like <laughs> I don't think Serena Williams gets to be that good at tennis and that good at nails I feel like you just okay. have to pick okay. one you know what I mean fair. not fair, fair. fair and I think <laughs> she would probably pick tennis but you know what it's it's a weird year. Hard to say, hard to say. <laughs> yeah. honestly hard to say so that's well what- it's apparently Erica uh taught me that I didn't even know who Mookie Betts was, but Mookie Betts is apparently like as good of a bowler as he bowler. is a baseball player yeah. and would rather be a bowler, but there's no money in it, basically. 
something like that. Yeah. That, yeah. Those are the people in high school who played three sports. They were three season athletes. Yeah. They were playing yeah. fall. Exactly. Yeah. You get one thing. We all get to be good at yeah. one thing. You don't get nails and tennis. You don't get bowling and baseball. I mean, it was reassuring that Michael Jordan just really wasn't as good at baseball or golf as he was at basketball. Yeah, it was nice exactly. for the rest of us. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Like, and he's perfectly fine at basketball, I guess. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, I don't know. I the, the, Those are the people, like, it's like people who can act and sing, you know? And like most, I'm a theater kid at heart and I just feel like the thing that no one wants to talk about is most people can't act they can but the, the good yeah. singers will get the acting roles because they're the good mm. singers but when you mm-hmm. see somebody who can actually sing and really act um that's annoying to me so yeah. I don't like that yeah. that makes me feel yeah. and dance bad. and dance. Can dance too it's oh, well that's too much yeah too much. I don't like it's I don't want to be your friend I don't like you congrats on the triple threat we're not. I have nothing else to talk to you about. Um, the Olive and June Poppy, that's a really, really great one. And yeah, I would encourage everyone to look up Olive and June because I feel like $8 feels steep for nail polish in the way that we don't realize how much more expensive nail polish has gotten since we were buying yes. a lot of it in middle school. Yes. Um, yeah. Most like SEs are now like nine fifty, and I think OPIs are like almost $11. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so crazy to me. Um, so yeah, Alvin June is actually like on the more inexpensive side and it's like quality wise, just, I think a lot better and a lot easier to use. That's a really good Agreed. recommendation. Thank you for bringing I, that. Oh my gosh, I saw my you. niece recently and she was using that like Tinkerbell nail polish that peels off. Remember that stuff? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Deeply. <laughs> she did not tell me how much that is running these days. I suspect it's not $9, yeah. but Right. You know, I haven't I haven't checked. Exactly. So yeah, there's a big spectrum there of uh nail <laughs> nail accoutrement that you could get. Yeah. Um Claire, what did you bring? I brought a pasta pot. Um I brought the Love Bialetti it. pasta pot. It is so simple and I just don't understand why it's not a more universally used thing. It's just a pasta pot that it has two really important features. It's an oval, so you never have to break the pasta, which cool. I used to have to do all the time. But more importantly, it has a strainer lid, so you never have to get out a strainer. And so you don't have to dirty an extra thing, which also I hate dirtying strainers because I look at them and I'm like, you look clean to me. Like all I did was oh, run hot sure. pasta water through you. Am I really going to clean you and like put you in the dishwasher the or try to clean no. you by hand? Yeah. That's right. But when it dries, it also like looks like not as clean as you yes, thought it was going to be. Exactly. Like, exactly. Mm, well, who's going to see it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You just, it, there's just like no reason why everyone shouldn't own a pasta pot that has a strainer lid. So you just put the lid on and you just toss it, you know, toss the water out. It is also, I like that it's really light so I can keep it on a high cabinet without feeling like it's going to throw my back out to try to pull it down. Um, it's great. It's lasted me forever. It's a wonderful product. And you know, it's Italian and they, they cook pasta a lot. So I they, trust them. They, they do know, know a thing or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you prefer like an oval pasta pot over like I use if I'm not if I'm not being lazy because usually I'll just break it and like who cares or I'll do like Mm -hmm. a, you know, a ZD. But like the big like the high volume kind of stock pots can also sort of fit a linguine type. But it's so big. Right. It's so such big. a production you to get it out. It? Right. Where are you putting it? It's I, I really dread taking any big cooking vessel out of its living area because it just you. always feels like, first of all, if you live in 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 New York or really like 
anywhere that's not a palatial kitchen. You have four other pots sitting inside of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you have to remove all of those. This is just, it's, it's like at the top of the fridge and you like to count where the step <laughs> exactly. stool is. And it's like all the way back. And then it's like kind of dusty and you're right. like, oh, I don't really want to use it. Yeah. I'm with this you. This is super light. It's slim in its way because it's oval. It's just not, it's just not a pain. I, um, and yeah, and you don't have to fill it up as high as you would have to fill up one of those big stock pots. And then it doesn't become as actually heavy. Well, how long exactly. have you had this? I'm looking it up right now. You know what? I, I just pulled up there's I purchased it on July 17th 2017 so not that long but like your three years three year anniversary that's that's, congratulations what did you two do to celebrate um I did tighten up the screws on the handles recently that's nice that's care relationship maintenance that's right it it comes in a lot of colors which I didn't realize at the time that I bought it I have it in black but it comes in like Le Creuset-ish colors um and then there's also an 80 dollars version that's stainless steel i I was just gonna ask so you do not have the stainless steel one no i have the 32 dollars black one i love it which is actually right now in black out of stock on wow the abilati website um okay turns out we're live and people just (laughs) people are (laughs) are rushing to get it Um, i just also think in this moment where nobody's ever been so exhausted by uh by dishwashing as they have been now it's really important to be using things that can cut down on the amount of dishes we have to do for real like I love where we're living in LA the only thing it didn't have was a dishwasher and I haven't not had a dishwasher in six years because that was the big thing in New York in Brooklyn I had two apartments in a row with dishwashers but now I have laundry so I'm like fine with it but like yeah all we do is eat at home like I feel like my dishes are having sex in the sink and making more dishes. <laughs> like I walk away and I come back and like there are more dishes and then I do those dishes and then the dishes are like I'm being haunted. Like yeah. I really truly think like someone is sneaking into my home just putting dishes in the sink. It's probably it's just my husband who needs a spoon for every single thing. Like you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> let's use every mm-hmm. pot while we make like one bowl of cereal. Um but yeah, I'm so sick of doing dishes. I'm not at the point where I'm going to go environmentally in like the other direction and just buy paper plates, which I would have done when I was 22, <laughs> but and probably did do. But like, yeah, it's getting really annoying. And you're right. The colander is the last thing I want to clean or I don't care. Let it, let it look I, dirty. I don't care. I actually think that so podcast listens went down when quarantine started because everybody stopped commuting. But I feel like once people really figure out that the only the only way to survive doing dishes is while listening to a podcast. We're going to see listens go back up like across the industry. It's funny because I would hope I'm like, oh, yeah, everyone out there should listen to my podcast while you're doing dishes. But I just watch episodes of like Gilmore Girls when I'm doing dishes. And I, oh, yeah, I prop up the nice. iPad like above the sink on this little like shelf I have for a thing. Oh, yeah. That's a nice treat. It is a nice treat. Or treat. I FaceTime with somebody. And that is especially. That's a good idea. Otherwise, I'm just staring at the wall, like screaming, yeah. like I oh, yeah. <laughs> can't do it anymore. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. Podcast listens did go down. People aren't going anywhere. Um, right. Do you I feel think they've gone back up, though, as people have realized they miss hearing voices that aren't. And also own. that they're like cleaning <laughs> in their, their own houses, doing so many dishes, yes. all this stuff where you just need a pal in your ear. Yeah. It's the movement that I miss with podcast listening is like with driving and with like exercising or even doing an errand, I would listen to a podcast episode um, or like an audio book. And I feel like I couldn't, especially in March and April, it was so hard to just like sit down and listen to something like 
if I didn't have any chores to do and I like wasn't going anywhere, I couldn't just like sit on my couch and stare into the middle distance and like, listen, (laughs) like all of a sudden I would stop hearing it, you know? Oh yeah. Um, And then you do the thing where you rewind it so that you can hear what you missed, but you rewind it a little too far. So you start listening to, so then you tune out again and then by the time you've met, and then you're just like stuck in this vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally how my brain (laughs) operates. Yeah. And then everyone, I think by like May 1st had watched everything on TV. So I feel like people did come back to, to yes. podcast or felt a little bit safer also leaving the house. Um, you know, even though it's only been six months, like, do you guys feel like in March? Cause you know, there was so little that we knew about how it was spreading. Yeah. Like I was truly afraid to like go to the other side of my door. Like I didn't want to oh, yeah. leave oh, the house same. at all. I feel like the more information we know, if people are like, okay, I'm not going to be inside, you know, I'm going to wear my mask. I'm going to stay six feet away. I know I don't have any, like I'm not exhibiting any symptoms. My friends are on board. They're going to wear masks. We're just going to meet in the park. Like I feel the, the, the fear people are being vigilant, but I feel like the fear that that was so present in March when it was like, if I'm in the car and someone has it and is it going to blow back into my car? Like people really didn't yeah. like, no, like we really didn't know wiping really, down no vegetables, one, yeah, wiping down packages and yeah. Our cans of tomatoes. I mean, we really didn't know. Yeah. So I feel like maybe now people are more comfortable like leaving the house and going places, even though there's like not really a, a ton of places to go. Yeah. Um, I'm like, do I need this pasta pot? I'm like, I kind of think I might. I just can't imagine using anything else ever again. And I just don't understand why this isn't. I just don't understand why it isn't as common as like any other, I don't know, like a can opener. I just, this is, this is possible for us. We can all make pasta without using a strainer. I love, Claire, you know, it was Oprah's favorite things, 2016. I did notice that when I went to like look it up to make sure I had the facts straight for this and I felt validated by yeah. that. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. I mean, that's two big votes of confidence. Um, <laughs> Me and Oprah. Here, yeah, you, you and ever, Oprah, that's all I look for. Do you ever use it for anything else like vegetables or anything do you, that you boil? <laughs> that's a great question. I think I have, but not regularly. And I don't, yeah. I don't ever really boil vegetables, to be honest. Um Although that I, I should when I do, I should use it for that. I know I've used it for other things, but it really just is my go to for pasta. It's kind of I love it. It's like a nice yeah. stock pot situation. And yeah, I love the So but you don't okay, maybe this is my like lazy brain, but like I would consider the lid to be a separate thing than the pot. You know what I mean? It, oh, you mean I would you would use the pot separately from the lid? Well, yeah, like because you were like, okay, so you it's don't separate dish. Yeah, like it's two different things I have to clean. So I was almost kind of excited oh. that maybe it was like somehow involved in one thing to clean. No, I. But it's I think, on the lid. Well, I'm very impatient, and so no matter like what I'm cooking, when I'm cooking, if there's water involved and it has to come to a boil, the lid's going on because to me that. I assume that makes it happen faster. I think it so might. I'm always using a lid. Yeah. I'm always using a lid. Okay. Very fair. Yeah. Very fair. Um, I, yeah, no, I really like this. And I also think that like the, the there is always um, a lot of maneuvering to sort of like get the colander uh, or like the strainer out and like figure out a space for it to like sit in the sink, which also has that's dishes what I was in gonna it. say. If you yeah. have dishes in your sink, trying to find a place for a colander that's not gonna then also like splash hot water back uh-huh, on you uh-huh. or like oh my god I there's nothing I hate more than that also those colanders that are supposed to sort of straddle the top of your the corner of your sink that then fall off we and have then there's one hot of water those. yeah yeah <laughs> 
Sal and it, Condor. It, it like steams your yeah. face. Yeah. It's like a or it, or the like corners fall off and then you have pasta. Yeah, it has yeah. literally yeah. holding on by like a shred of its life. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll pour like two pounds of pasta on you. Like, do your one job, yeah, and then it goes. always falls. And I'm like, I somehow know this is going to happen. It always falls, and also like. Sinks are all different sizes. I don't know why that company with the colander, with their genius idea, thought that that would work. Except I still, every time I'm like, maybe this is the time it'll work. And yet, thank you for bringing up how just inherently chaotic colanders are. <laughs> yeah, the way there is never, there's never room in your sink for it because of course there are dishes in your sink because you're cooking. Truly, and there it and it does not work to hang it off the corner of your sink. Big colander, if you're listening, we're on to you. <laughs> We're coming to fight you. Uh, Yeah, no, it is. It is chaotic. It's super chaotic. Now, did you when you said palatial kitchen, I was reminded of did you see Nancy? No, not Nancy Myers. Diane Keaton's Instagram of her like cooking something in her palatial. And I counted her. It was crazy. Two islands. Yeah, but that it was Nancy Myers, I thought, who had two islands. Or was it? It was Diane Keaton. No, Diane. Nancy Myers has two islands. Diane Keaton has. Uh, one island the size of two islands but she goes she is by her stove and she goes oh i need a fork and takes no less than 15 full strides somewhere else in her kitchen comes back with a fork it's like how far away are your forks how big is this kitchen oh let me just walk to the other side of my apartment where i keep my forks not next to the stove but like I mean that, and I also imagine that Diane Keaton's kitchen is very Nancy Myers influenced, based on oh, like, I'm sure the amount of time the relationship, she, yes, based on her IMDb, yeah, based yeah. on her IMDb <laughs> and their relationship, and just like what I know about Diane Keaton, which is essentially what she has done in every Nancy Myers movie that she's been in. Um, I feel like there's a lot of influence there, but like, yeah, massive kitchens, like massive, so big, and that's when I'm like, okay, well then maybe you can handle the colander lifestyle, right. you know, like you maybe, maybe have. More than one sink, yeah. and one sink can be your designated colander sink. Right, and that's Diane. And if there's anyone who has a, a colander sink, it's Diane Keaton. It's Nancy Myers. But yeah, like that video of Diane Keaton taking thirty, walking two tenths of a mile to get a fork, <laughs> just is cursed. Can I, do you know that I realized recently, again because we're spending so much time in the kitchen and washing dishes, that the real bonus of having two sinks is not having two sinks and not having like a colander sink. It's that you can always use the trash can because like the thing of having to be like, can you move, can you stop washing the dishes so I can throw this thing away that's in the trash can under the sink. It's so annoying. It's, I mean, listen, it ranks pretty low in the grand scheme of things, but I saw a tweet that was like, no one told me that being married was just going to be asking my spouse to move so that, you know, stop washing dishes so I can throw something (laughs) away. And I felt like that was accurate. Speaks to me too. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, the the and yeah, whoever designed that sort of like feature of the modern kitchen yeah. is wrong. That workflow is bad. That workflow bad is workflow. bad. Erica, you have your you have your trash not under your sink, right? It's true. My trash is in a drawer, but the <gasps> the thing that I I know it's so but the fancy. thing that I get really uh, riled about <laughs> is when my husband's cleaning. We have a rabbit, and when he cleans her litter box, he takes the full trash can out. Um, oh, go clean her litter box and then obviously inherently during that time I need to throw four things away yeah. and it's a lot of me opening the drawer looking aghast yeah and then, <laughs> who did this and then glaring at the trash can across uh. the room and being like I mean what am I supposed to do here it's a lot of that yeah so I feel the pain still don't worry <laughs> good, good. There, there was a tweet the other day that was like dating 
is like falling asleep, like cuddling or like texting. I can't wait to see you later. And marriage is just being like, your knee was near my side of the bed last night, (laughs) which is I got kicked out of bed last night and I slept in the living room for a few hours because I was taking too long to go to sleep and I kept moving. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That was my reaction. He was like dead asleep. And I guess I kept like kind of tossing and turning and he was like, if you're not tired, maybe you could watch something in the other room and then come in when you get tired. I'm like, if I watch something in the other room, I'm not going to get tired. Like, like how many times? Was there, a, was there an agreed upon time limit for how much you could be restless in bed? I mean, it was a long time. It was, it was, <laughs> it was long. I, I was definitely a little too restless, but we only have but one bed. So, you know, it's just as much. This is my side of the bed to be restless on. We'll probably end up getting like some sort of double king situation or like two twin beds. California king. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, That's I cheap. like it. Marriage is very much like, you know, negotiating the real estate of the bed. Chris and I um, and our son drove to Ohio to see family last week. And on Sunday we were driving back and it was nearing the end of an eight hour car ride. Um, and I was so proud of, and I was driving and Chris was like semi-napping next to me and I was just feeling like wow we did this and I'm so proud of us and we didn't fight and we just like (laughs) we pulled this off we pulled off this insane uh car ride two ways with a toddler and I just very gently put my hand on his knee out of affection because I like looked over at him and was like oh I just I you know I I feel grateful for you and I'm feeling affection towards you I have I'm still hearing about it because it woke him up and he has been bringing it up at every possible turn basically since like and he's he's also been calling it why did you goose me why did you goose my knee Which I'm like, who are you a grandpa um so yeah I, I relate yeah. yeah no that's real yeah like why are you anywhere near me like right. exactly. <laughs> I'm sleeping um yeah. yeah I bet you regretted that pretty quick <laughs> oh for sure he was so mad quickly yeah yeah that it's so funny people get really comfortable after a few years yeah. of marriage and uh starting <laughs> all bets to, are off right exactly right yeah. not too much paperwork now to leave That's so right. <laughs> so you better figure out where your knees are supposed to go um or how to fall asleep without moving um <laughs> I will keep you updated um Please do. so Claire, you have your garbage on the other side of the room. I mean, no, Erica, you have your garbage on the other side of the room. Claire, you goosed your husband's knee. I moved too much. (laughs) All right. Well, we have problems to solve. Like the next great American startup will just be in this in this vein will this marriage survive right will this marriage last? <laughs> that's yeah. a reality tv show yeah i would watch like forget the bachelor oh, no, what? there was a column right it was can this marriage be saved that oh. was what it was called when in was some that night, I, it, I think it was i'll here let's let, let me be accurate yeah, about it and look it up less. but it was a, it was in some women's magazine can this marriage be saved god i have to know column. it's a great rubric yeah um it was Ladies Home Journal. And it still runs. Well, no, as of 2007, it was still running. Who knows? Wow. But yeah, it was, it, it was a Ladies Home Journal. Ladies Home column. Journal. Ladies Home Journal. Yeah. Like, what a fun magazine to still have in print in <laughs> 2020 when like, yeah, when like yeah. no one has media jobs. But like Ladies Home Journal is like, yeah, we're going. And like, we're in the store. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, also like maybe sales of Ladies Home Journal are down because you know it's like the last thing you see before you check out of. Right. The grocery store. And that's where most of that purchasing is done. That's right. I'm guessing. But also that column or that feature sounds 
incredible. And like, now I'm like, you want to read it, right? Now I'm a subscriber. <laughs> Why hasn't yeah. someone offering it? Why isn't Netflix offering <laughs> right. that column? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I want to watch it on Hulu and a six, right. Back to back with Steve Bannon and then <laughs> the ladies home drill documentary. Yeah, marriage I really, really yeah. love that. Um, yeah, yeah, you guys, these were really, really good recommendations. The oh, Olive and June poppy and Olive and June in general and the Violetti pasta pot, which now I obviously need in purple. Um, I love this so much. Yeah. These are, I mean, I already have the poppy, but now I feel like I need to do my nails today because now I feel more confident about how to put it on. You're doing it right. You should have seen me. I was truly YouTubing it. I was like, how do I do, (laughs) how do I paint my nails? Um, Do either of you guys follow um, Sachi on Instagram? Um, Oh my gosh. So she's a writer. She's wonderfully funny. We worked together at Buzzfeed for a while, but she's also, Again, to be like people being good at more than one thing. She is incredible at doing her nails. She'll be like, I'm just doing a quick like leopard print and she'll do yeah. it's incredible. Um, you have to follow her and it's not solely nails, like it's a lot of her yelling and stuff. And so you have to sort right. of like right, exactly, parse through that and like every week or so it'll be so calming. She just like sets up her camera and then you'll hear whatever she's watching in the background and she'll just do like a full she's like, Oh now I'm painting wow. daisies on and she has all the little like like little tweezer things and the sparkle and like she's really good at it so that's inspiring yeah maybe it's your next maybe it's your next instagram wormhole to get into (laughs) love that it's great it's great claire mazer erica cerula thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast today thank you for having us this was wonderful um everyone if you are not subscribed to a thing or two you're really really missing out can you guys tell me where people can go to subscribe is it via substack no, it's uh, we have it has its own home at <gasps> thinger 2 hqcom um, So you can go on there and find our podcast and also sign up for our newsletter. We also have a membership program for people who just love us so much that they want more of us. It's called Secret Menu. You can sign up for that. And that has like really, um, really good recommendations on it, too. Like that'll be a lot more of what you heard today. even more of this exactly even more of this um yeah it's really 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 wonderful um they're really 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 wonderful and i really wish we just really 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 wonderful you are so so much you're so wonderful i feel very taken care of as a guest you're very good at at uh making this happen oh my gosh even though i was eight minutes late because my computer kept shutting down every time i opened up google hang awesome thank you i'm glad yeah Maybe Mercury's in retrograde again. Um, no, this was really great. And I, we'll, we'll, 10 years, you're coming back. We're going to see how we feel about high, high-waisted pants. Perfect. <laughs>